and need to gather my thoughts. I believed previously that all my conceptions about reality had been shattered, and that I was going through some irreversible, life-demolishing crisis, and that proved wrong. I am still here, still breathing, somehow. That last word has more, a few more implications in it than you might think at first. And so I am here now, writing this down, trying my damnedest to, to find a place to go, I guess. And the first breakdown will have a part in it, this I swear. See, back when I was a kid, round about the ages of seven to nine, I would often be in my home by myself. Mom had taken on the night shift at one of the local salvage operations, and it meant good money, sure, but... It meant good money, sure, but it also meant that if she couldn't get anyone to watch over me, I was going to be stuck in her half-devastated shack all by my lonesome. In the day, that was great. It meant that I could run my games with Jacob and the others in a hellish playground of steel beams and plaster tiles fluttering in the breeze. Dangerous, sure, but most kids like dangerous. That's until the night, of course. In the night, when I was in bed by myself with nothing but the light of my lamp and a little bit of starlight poking in through one of the holes we hadn't patched up yet, every creak of the broken pipes or shuffling of the rubble got me downright frightened. I imagine a thousand sorts of beasts that could have destroyed half our home, although Mom always told me it was people. Now, of course, I understand that, but when I was a kid, I just couldn't picture a bomb, not inside our house. No, it was easier to imagine the shifting of pebbles and dust outside as the machinations of a blue-eyed serpent with chicken's feet, or a black book with a jagged mouth. Just made more sense as a kid. I don't know. But these monsters wouldn't just haunt me when I was awake, of course. No, they incorporated themselves into my dreams, which quickly grew a macabre quality about them. And they became damnably prolific, too. It seemed every other night I'd fall into them, and I'd get up to watch some videos to calm down. Usually history videos about old Earth. Never knew why, but those always felt the most relaxing. And then one thing led to another, dream monsters melded together with the videos, and I got my first recurring nightmare. There before me lay the curvatures of the landmasses of old Earth, so familiar to my young eyes. It was comforting. And then I turned my eyes to the right. No, it was not some monster standing beside me, nor had the wall the map was stapled to turned to melted flesh, nor was the sky starting to scream in pain. It was simply that, east of Polynesia, there was supposed to be ocean, and nothing but. Ocean for kilometers around. And yet, here there wasn't. A massive continent existed in the place of underwater shells and trenches, elongated in such a way that it almost reached South America. On it dwelt cities of people completely forgotten to the history of my videos, mountains that never would have been able to hide from even primitive submarines. And yet there it was, existing so casually on a map that I understood so intimately, and, most distressingly of all, I felt it to be real. Where had it gone, this grand landmass filled with cultures foreign to any colonial? Where could it be? Not under the waves, no. Not demolished by man, no. We didn't have the technology for such a project even now. Where then did it go? I would wake up from that queasy mystery with a desire to turn my head to the stars. I didn't know why at the time. 
So, the years passed, we got our house fixed up, and the monsters disappeared from my evening imaginings. Then the dream disappeared, too. My nighttime visions became the more varied, somehow more boring affair. And since I never talked to anyone about the map dream, or even wrote anything down about it, I forgot I ever had it. My interest turned from history to economics and business. I moved out, joined in a successful thorium trade with my friend Joseph, and became a little local baron with nothing to do. I mean, not really. I had plenty of stuff to do to earn more credits, but I had my fill, and life was getting hollow. Then the dream found me again, one stuffy night when the very air felt rancid, and no matter which direction I turned the thermostat, I couldn't get settled. That same map of Old Earth. In my waking mind, I never remembered its edges so clearly, because why should I? I'd lost interest in historical studies, and I was on a completely different planet. In fact, I didn't know a single person who'd lived there. Just old Lady Aika, who'd traveled there a couple of months before the second fall on a business trip, and she was on her last legs. It was a time before my time, and if I was going to memorize the borders of continents and polities, it had better be the ones on San Furnace. But there they were in my dream, as crisp and as clear as if I was looking on them at a wall right now. Even my dream self found this strange, but his eyes drifted the same direction they always did, and I was confronted once more by that odd feeling of certainty about something which was simultaneously false and impossible. I awoke in a cold sweat, memories that I'd locked deep in my head exploding in a flurry of emotions that had been warped with time. I knew where the continent had gone. It was an absurd thought, one clearly derived from madness, but I knew. Just the galactic self, far from normal trade routes. It was an area that nobody but pirates and the lost would find. And I was lost, mentally speaking. But a continent removed from planet Earth dropped in the middle of space. That was the sort of madness only fit for the syphilitic kings of our idiot past. I figured I should go to therapy, drawing myself back into my normal self. But then I thought about it for a while. I was struggling at home. Not with money, mind, but with meaning. I had the luxuries of society, but no really deep friends or long-lasting lovers. A fault of my personality and my obsession with accumulation. But it all felt dead. And here was the first thing in a long time that didn't feel that way. It might have been alive in a bitterly maniacal way, but I could not argue against that quality. And if I'd gone mad and aspiring to some real bit of life, then I was mad. And even with the purchase of a personal exploration vessel, and enough fuel and supplies to last a year's voyage, I still had a large amount of income coming in from my investments. There was little risk, it seemed, to embracing the madness. At worst, I would lose a year, or be captured by pirates. At best, I had no idea what the best could possibly be. So I left into the vast unknown, home to Dust Nebula and the flickering demons of the void. It only took me a week to feel like I'd completely played myself. After all, there was nothing that I was doing out there, and nothing to trade besides my ship, and stock shares to local companies wouldn't interest anybody. I wasn't conducting any research, patrolling for brigands, or anything that would get me rewarded by the government. No, I was just some random guy chasing after a crazy dream. And that's exactly what it was. Crazy. 
But then I figured that I'd sunk so much into the project that I had no choice but to keep going and find nothing. If my madness had brought me out into the stars before, it would drag me out there again, unless I had solid proof of wasted time in my memories. So that's what I did. I sat around, drank, played games by myself, and waited slowly as the ship sprinted itself towards coordinates which certainly contained nothing but a few hydrogen atoms and the sparse light of faraway stars. In my boredom, I even picked up this habit, although I certainly haven't gotten eloquent or charismatic by it. So, weeks turned to months. Then, the radar telescopes picked it up. Even with modern tech, it could have just been a blip. After all, detecting an object of such a small size from such a large distance without any solar bodies nearby, it was like trying to get a blind man to tell you what Hadrian's Tower looks like from 80 kilometers away. It, it just... it just doesn't work. But, of course, I was out in the wilds for the purpose of finding the impossible, and so I drew closer. It was no blip, but a subplanetary body with minimal heat signatures. If it was a Marauder asteroid, they were cleverly masking their heat signatures, and that would gladly fall into the trap. I drew closer and closer, and then I saw through the regular telescope. I wept. I'm not gonna lie. I cried until my eyes hurt, but I wasn't even sad. I didn't even think it was a miracle. I didn't... I didn't know what to think about anything anymore. All the laws of the universe, everything I learned about history, there were thousands of stories that hadn't been unveiled, and I just found one of the most spectacular of them all. But then I drew even closer, and what sane part remained in my mind just completely exploded. Not only was the object the exact same shape as the continent I envisioned in my dreams, but it was... it was green. It was graced in only starlight, but earth plants grew upon it in riotous profusion. This... it... But I drew closer, until the ship I dwelt in was smaller than the rock. I had found Earth, a real, true piece of it. The landing was completely uneventful, with a craft only having to navigate atmospheric currents for a few hundred meters or so. Yes, the thing had an atmosphere, so all of the logs read. All sensors gave off readings that perfectly matched my biological requirements. Nitrogen and oxygen galore. A chilly 7 degrees centigrade. Bad enough for a jacket, but past that... Oh, and I could already feel the gravity weighing on my bones. Just the perfect amount. Home had always felt rough in that respect, like I was carrying around too much on my spine. Everything reminiscent of a home neither I nor anyone I'd ever known had seen. The small perfections of the past. Even as I felt the gravity pulling me down, I felt that it all must have been wrong. Atmosphere? A decent temperature? Conditions right for me to live? Surely the ship's sensors were malfunctioning. I thrust the little drone out the airlock to get a second opinion. It reported everything to be the same. Perfection. I wondered for a good thirty minutes whether I ought to risk it. Things were right in a way they couldn't be. A lost part of Earth still perfectly like it. Surely the air was laden with arsenic or some other material that would kill me. But then the sensors weren't wrong before. 
I had trusted them to take me through the vacuum of space, so why shouldn't I trust them here? I donned nothing by the thick jacket and strode out into the surface. And splendor of the Almighty. Everything. There, there was barely enough light for me to see, with the only bright spots being the gentle chorus of distant stars. I tapped on my flashlight and immediately sucked in a breath of sweet, perfect air. It was the most wondrous thing I'd ever tasted. For decades, I'd been breathing the air of home, which had a slight acidic taste to it. Even the perfect composition of the ship's air had a stale, recycled quality to it, but this air... It was the air I and everyone of my kind was meant to breathe. Home. It really was home. Not in the sense of where I'd grown up, but in the sense of where I belonged, where I could easily be happy. I breathed in a good gust of that succulent, sweet air and let my lungs soar in joy. My legs and arms followed in tandem, and I found myself dancing some unnameable jig in celebration of finding Eden. My feet got so active that I started kicking at the soil. I let myself go in reckless abandon, for who was there to judge me of my maddening ecstasy? It turns out the laws of the universe were there to judge. My feet clipped on the side of a small stone, dislodging it violently into the air and sending me crashing to my knees where I watched that same said stone fall off the precipice of eternity. And then finally something in my head snapped. If this was a fragment of a place, a subcontinent in space, lost and forgotten, how then, how then was there gravity? There would be gravity, yes, but not enough to hold me to the ground. I was near enough the edge already. The quiet abyss of space was but twelve meters to the left. A few lonely rocks stared out at the grand, flickering emptiness with resolve that I could never muster. A lone spruce tree shrugged uncaringly in the silent breeze. They were safe, even so close to the edge, so might I be. But then, I was always afraid of heights. But then, this didn't make sense as a height. If I stepped over, and yet, there was gravity. I felt it in all of my limbs, something I totally ignored until that very second due to the simulated magnetic fields in my ship. I walked over to the edge, quieting the screams of vertigo in my head. Just one peek. That was all I needed. Then I'd let myself enjoy the sublime gravity of this little anomaly. Sure enough, my head swam with dizziness almost immediately. Seeing stars below you is all fine and good in a spaceship. Well, no. Not even then. Even then it feels weird. But it's even stranger when you see them below your feet, and your feet are touching ground and below you, where there should be the nameless, near-forceless void, growled the chains of gravity. They screamed at me to put my foot just a little more forward, to join the rock in spiraling eternally towards nowhere, to spend the last minutes of my life choking to death in the cold. I yanked myself back. No. That made zero sense. Gravity was created by mass. And if the subcontinent had enough mass to draw me to the ground, then surely I should not have felt the gravitational pull towards the void. I would have felt as though every step towards the edge was walking up a steep incline, with every fiber of my being pulled towards the center of the rock, not the outside. That's how gravity worked. That's how... No. There was... 
another idea in my head, and I had to prove it to myself. I just had to brave the spiraling gravity of the void one more time. And there they were. They weren't very thick, but they were fashioned of the strongest material common to advanced societies, carbon nanotubes. They were there every 12 centimeters, descending down to... to... I summoned the drone back to my pocket and walked over to the edge myself. In my arrogance, I kicked a solitary pebble off the edge, and I watched it shrink from my view as it descended to... Yes... There were lights underneath. Different lights. My eyes were trained to spot the difference, and yet they hadn't, simply for the fact that I wasn't looking for it. The lights were flickering, true. Whoever had done this was thorough, brilliant, and powerful in equal measure. But even they could not completely mask the difference between the light of a single artificial hydrogen bulb and a faraway thermonuclear explosion. Distance could only do so much. A grand cavern with a massive... I had no idea how large this thing was. And I... I had to wonder. I had one question, and to that one I knew the answer. What? This was the sort of thing that would have broken me before. When time had not weathered my mind into a seasoned veteran of insanity. And so I would not give up. I wrote this, a detailed enough report of the past as I knew it, without my presumed abduction in the trip to wherever this is. And then I set about to make my plans. I might be a plaything for some bizarre god, an intruder to a terrible secret, or a simple accident of fate. But no matter how terrible the reality, I was going to understand it. And then I was going to answer the second question. Why? Always that question. Even intertwined with forces apocalyptic and divine, always that question. But can you blame me? We all know the alternative to questioning. It sits there in a corner of our heart, a blackened lump of hatred and pain. Why am I in this bizarre situation is not so keen a question as why do I exist in the first place, no? I triumphed over that question every day, even as I found the answer in fragments that dissolved upon my touch. So I would answer this question, and potentially a thousand more. I have the drones, I have the time. So I shall find wisdom and madness over the edge. <laughs>